Welcome to episode 68 of Psychotherapy. I am your host, Jet Dunlap, and I was about to tell you what episode this is, but that I have already done. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how Katara, the gorilla, saved my life. We're also going to talk about the incredible, well, I have to take a different, uh, <laughs> I just told you about a gorilla that saved my life. I'll get to that later. This part is actually hard for me, and I'll go into it in the show, so I don't want to spoil it now. I'm going to talk about how surprised I am from the people who've listened to the show, who have sent me letters, or emailed me, or texted me, or messaged me, and how I'm going to go forward in my life as far as the progression of this show, and how it will become larger, but stay true to itself. I will also talk about the resolution of episode, I think it was 64, of whether or not I got to be in the show that is definitely not Fox. It's uh, ABC. <laughs> Maybe it's not ABC. I think it's ABC. Superstore. So I'll talk about, you know, the disappointment of that. So all of that and much, much less on today's episode 68 of your favorite show you're listening to right now, Psychotherapy. Now play that funky music. Half, what am I? Mexican... Italian guy. I don't I don't I don't want to say play that funky music white boy, but that's a song. Anyway, I'll play that music and fade out now. Thank you for listening. I'm still Jet Dunlap, and that didn't go off as funnily as I thought it would. <laughs> now let's fade in with the music and enjoy episode 68. Doot 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 doot. I don't put a lot of merit into dream analysis or i do (laughs) i don't know i don't know if i do you know i have so few mentors uh in my life right now that i can talk to you you know we have google which constantly amazes me because i think about how so many generations including mine went or could have gone their entire or did go their entire lives like my grandfather no he had google People's entire lives, at least as youth, went without ever knowing a definite answer to something. Because even though my mom and dad would constantly say, look it up, which meant look in the uh, dictionary for a word, or look it up in the encyclopedia, which most people had a copy of, or call the smartest person you know, which was in our case, a myriad of different people in our family because we had professors and doctors and uh, lawyers. So a lot of professionals, but you'd have to call them and then it was their version of it. But now you can get the absolute answer for something uh, from a bunch of sources. (laughs) So I guess it's not even, I don't, I'm saying right now, especially with social media, do we really have a better answer than we used to? Am I really getting a better answer about science than when I used to call my Uncle Martin? Am I getting better legal advice than when I used to call my grandfather, who was an attorney for, gosh, 40 plus years? I don't know. But this topic was about a dream analysis uh, in a dream I had recently. When I have, by the way, it's raining, so if you hear that pitter-patter, that's uh, not Rudolph, Dugloff, Olaf. It's not the reindeers, it's just the pitter-patter of the rain. If that was a reindeer joke that I just tried to tell, it was terrible. Okay, so when I start to have more synchronicity in my life, when I start to meditate and do yoga and get centered, uh, for a lot of people that's praying, just connecting with some kind of source. You know what it really is? It's just silencing the machines, silencing the voices. 
And if you're lucky, silencing your ego for a moment and connecting to something larger than ourselves. When I get more centered, when I am most centered, when I have the most command over my higher power, I start to dream very vividly. And there are different definitions of dreams. And when I was talking to my friend Chris the other day, he defined lucid dream as when you can go back into the dream with a a good amount of control. Uh, I've also heard lucid dream is something that is extremely vivid. So in this case, it was a vivid and a lucid dream. I am in an elevator. This is the dream. I'm not currently in an elevator. But how would you know? Maybe I am. I'm not. I'm in an elevator. It's steel. Uh, That's clear to me. And I'm going down stairs. <laughs> I'm going down in an elevator. Do you go downstairs in an elevator? No, you'd be going downstairs and stairs. I don't know how you guys can listen to this. I'm going down in an elevator. And the buttons are to the right. This was very vivid. And I still remember it because I wake up at night and write in my notes what my dream is. And in this case, my phone is in my other room because I'm doing something that I recommend anyone, which is I don't let my phone charge on my nightstand because I don't want to wake up and uh, look at my phone. I want to wake up and look at my wife. I'm going to look at my little doggy that sleeps in our bed, our, our uh, nine-pound Maltese, and I want to enjoy that. So I don't charge my phone in my room. So when I had this dream, I actually woke up and went into the other room and uh, and wrote down all the information in the dream specifics, the specifics of the dream, rather. So I'm going down in this elevator, and it's a steel elevator. I get out of the elevator. The elevator door is open. And on the left side of this warehouse, that's also metal, but I think it's painted, is this gantway, this kind of like a walkway. If you've ever been in a building, I mean, it is a walkway, but you know those buildings that have like elevated walkways? Think of the, uh, I think they call it the gantry in the Apollo mission or even the space shuttle where it's that long metal walkway suspended to the sky. So that's kind of what it was, but it was at elevator level to the left. Where the elevator got out was a very short, small platform. Oh, did you see the movie Aliens at the end where she's running around on those metal walkways? It's a lot like that. So in a ship. So I get off to the left and I sense urgency because in my dreams, I when I was telling you that dream about where there was this lake right near my house, I think it's called Lake Dreams or Dream Lake, right? It's an episode. You can look it up. I am very aware of my perception. So in my dreams, it's not just my ability to see or smell or hear, but I'm also fully immersed in this other sense where I can tell what's going on in the room beyond my sight. Okay, so I have that going and there's urgency. So I'm running across this walkway that I put way too much detail into this walkway. Okay, you've heard enough of this walkway, so you know what it is. I'm running across this and then next to me, running at an equal or greater speed, equal speed, why would I say greater? (laughs) An equal speed is a giant gorilla. Now, I don't really love gorillas. Were you waiting to hear my opinion on gorillas? At the zoo, I guess I was never that interested in uh, mammals. I'm, I'm more fascinated. Are you an idiot, Jet? Fish? No, not fish. I like dolphins and whales. They're mammals, you moron. Why do you say things like you're not that interested in mammals? You're married to one. Forget the whole mammal thing. I was never that big into gorillas. My grandfather was. He'd take pictures of them, gorillas, lions. And I never, I guess they smelled at the LA Zoo. This backstory does no one any good. And I'm sorry I'm going down this path. But let's get back to the path I was in in the stream. So I'm running in this gorilla that the only important thing you have to understand is I knew this gorilla was cool. This gorilla was important. And I looked up to this gorilla. Oh, my God. Intellectually. (laughs) 
because he was smarter than me and uh, and knew that uh, humans were mammals. So this gorilla is running next to me, and I guess he's kind of in the air, which is interesting. Then we get to this ladder, and the rungs of the ladder are metal, like you'd find in a studio or, again, in a ship. And I start going up the ship's ladder. A crucial part of this dream to me when I was telling Gina about it is... Uh, that I was maintaining the same speed as this gorilla. And I don't think the gorilla ever really touched the wall. It may have, but that wasn't important. It was just kind of at my side at the same speed. Big, great, not smelly. I mean, handsome for a gorilla, if I may say so myself, uh, running up the side of this ladder with me. Now, I enter this dream, or I'm conscious of the entry of this dream, without knowing what this urgency is. Why I came down this ladder why I'm running or any of that. I don't understand that. But we're getting up to the top of the ladder and I see something shiny on the right corner of this warehouse. I probably see it with my mind's eye. And and then I see it with my eyes. And the gorilla's still running with me. And then all of a sudden I see this shiny thing in the right corner move. Oily, you know, the blackest black you've ever seen. And it starts to slither, and I notice that it's a giant snake. Have I frightened some of you already? The snake bolts through the air as if it's an electric eel and it's in water. So it moves through the air with that same kind of 3D access that would only be available for a sea creature. But it's doing it in the air. Again, a dream. Uh, physics don't matter. So it slithers towards me in the air. And right before it gets to me, the gorilla grabs the snake, and I mean this was lightning quick, faster and more real than any movie I'd ever seen. And it takes it, and I can't remember if the gorilla goes to the ground with the serpent. I'm calling it a serpent now because it had more serpent properties than a snake. But it throws it to the ground, and then I wake up. And before I wake up, my dream tells me the gorilla's name is Katara. And I've never heard the word Katara and when I went out into the other room to write this on my phone, I wrote Katara wrong. And then my brain told me it wasn't spelled that way. So the Katara I met in my dream, this gorilla, was K-A-T-A-R-A. And you can analyze this or analyze it, as a person who speaks English could say, and try and figure out what it was. But here's what the research Gina and I uncovered without the heavily opinionated sites that will interpret dreams in different ways, but you really feel like it's just someone's blog and they had no topic, so they went on dream analysis. I found nothing about a gorilla that saved you. I found a lot of stuff about what a gorilla meant. Uh, if a gorilla is in your dream, if you kill a gorilla in your dream, which is weird, if you're bitten by a gorilla in your dream, if you see two gorillas, but nothing about if a gorilla saves you. Now, remember, Katara the gorilla was a very important gorilla because... It had special properties. I think that at some point it was floating. And it was matching me in every way, almost as if it was my shadow. But it caught this serpent out of the air and saved me. But I always felt powerful. I didn't feel vulnerable at any time. And I felt as though Katara was actually like a part of me. There's a show that I don't like. The Golden Compass. I never even thought of this. Has like animals that are part of the person's soul. I look up Katara. The next day, because Gina was intrigued. She's like, that's a cool name. I've never heard that. And uh, it means talk in Japanese. So our analysis was, and I think this is pretty clever. Did you hear my how my voice went into almost like an announcer? I must think I'm pretty clever voice. 
I think it was that my talking saved me and that my talking was this gorilla, Katara, something that was bigger and stronger than me, something that could do what I couldn't, could protect me, or was my key to everything. This bigger self was my talking. And it was interesting that it came to me at that point when I was sleeping because I've been working out so much and getting a lot stronger, and I, I put a lot of emphasis into my physical strength. But what this dream was telling me, in my opinion, and it's also up open for your interpretation, especially you longtime listeners who've heard me forever, I'm very curious to hear what you think about that. So message me on Instagram or Facebook or in any way you can. I'm curious what you think. But uh, I think it was that I have to focus more on my talking. Now, what you're hearing right now is my voice and you're thinking, my God, if your dream was telling you to talk, your dream is crazier than you are. Because man, how could any human talk more than you? We know Gina, hypothetically for this example, and she says you talk nonstop. Anyone who's met you says you talk nonstop. And then you go on your show and you talk nonstop. How could you talk more? I don't think it was saying to talk like this. I think it was saying all the things that I'm trying to get accomplished in my life right now, I, in some cases, I'm avoiding speaking. I'm emailing or texting. And the best thing I can do is speak. That is my talent. That is my skill. And I've told you, longtime listeners, that that was cultivated from my lack of other powers in the examples of not being able to read, uh, not being able to write. And, you know, even the, the tough childhood I had, talking was my coping mechanism. So I've been going after things with a little different attitude. And I thought that was really cool. I think it's also encouraging me to do the show, which brings me into my next topic, which I think is, look at that, a, a topic that's like, Jet, it sounded like you were reading something. Yes, I was. Can you believe that? Here's a little thing called structure in this show, potentially. Don't get excited, though. It won't last. But let's be honest, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you're not here for the structure. Anytime I tell you later in the episode, or I'll tell you next week, or I'll put it in the notes or something, it never happens. And because you're a longtime listener, you know that it's never intentional. It's just the way I'm built. So in any event, here it is. My fans. <sighs> fans. Uh, the people who have reached out to me, let's keep it that way. I don't know if they're fans. They could actually absolutely hate me, but they still get something from the show. I believe that too. Not that they hate me, but that you could not like me or like my personality and think I'm crazy, but you still uh, get something out of this. Some of the emails I've received recently or have been forwarded to me or messages or conversations that people have had with me about other people who listen to the show has been unbelievable. And When I have to respond to these things, I always get a little anxious because, and this is not the case with me and anything else, but I can't talk about this show. It's actually just a fact. I've tried to talk to many people about it. I've tried to explain it to people and I just realized eventually that I can't. I can't explain it uh, because I don't know what it is till I do it. And the way I listen to it, when I listen to it, it's because I'm editing it or I'm listening to it for the first time for flaws in the audio or the way the music syncs up. Sometimes that happens. I don't know how to describe it, which is hard for me to uh, recommend it to people. So when I get these unbelievable comments where people say, it's amazing how plainly you speak. It's incredible how <laughs> vulnerable you are, which if you've heard this show, is just so hard for me to hear your honesty about your depression. Which is funny because I don't think that that's what the show is about. Um, I don't think it's about my depression. I 
I guess I don't get to say what my show is about. I think it's, again, open for interpretation. Maybe it's like the abstract art version of speaking. But I do know this, and I'll speak to what I know. When I started on episode one, (laughs) I had a feeling I could go to 100, like do 100 shows. And I had, like most journeys that start with the first step, no idea how much that was. This is my 68th episode. Most very popular shows have like 20. Like Conan O'Brien has like 21 or something like that. Or I know shows that have thousands of reviews and they have somewhere around the neighborhood of 30 episodes. So prolific, prolific, is that what I am? Prolific? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Isn't it funny to hear me feebly attempt to make sure that that word is the word I want to use? I knew I wanted to get shows out and I knew that eventually I'd find my voice. The feedback at the very beginning was very difficult. It was only a couple of people, my loyal listeners, and uh, it wasn't good. They could say what they didn't like, which in a way was how I knew what they liked. But uh, I wasn't sure it wasn't just another thing that was going nowhere. I knew I was going to stick with it because that's who I am. I knew I'd take it to 100 even if it sucked. I don't know that I ever thought I'd actually say this next statement in sincerity, that I was humbled by the uh, by the feedback I've gotten. And now that I see it, I realize it doesn't feel very sincere. <laughs> I think it's close to that, really. When people say that they haven't heard anyone say this before or that they've listened to the show and in its entirety, all the episodes, two times over, or someone will listen to the episode and they listen to it again, I don't get it. And I guess that's good. I think that Eckhart Tolle or some of my favorite spiritual advisors would feel the same way. I may sound arrogant when I say this, but it's actually not that. I don't know what I'm going to say until I say it. And that's probably pretty clear because of how many times I laugh at my insanity. But what I have really hoped since the beginning of the show, and I really feel is coming true, is that I'm saying it for you. I really believe this, that there are specific people out there right now listening to this at this moment that needed to hear this exact thing. I think there's magic in free access to quality audio programming. What am I selling here? Free access to quality audio programming. What I mean by that is I think it's amazing. I used to have to get audio books and they cost like 50 bucks when I was a kid on tape. And I didn't get just to look them up. I couldn't find something like this. And here's another thing. I never heard anything like this. And this goes to something that I talked about at the very beginning of the show, which was I went to a lot of motivational speaking seminars through some of my businesses. And even at my corporate jobs, they'd have people like that. I listened to countless audiobooks on motivation. And when I listened to it, I heard this. And this just goes into what I was hoping the show would be. I'd hear... I really had a hard time when I was a kid. And then at 17, I made a million dollars. Or I met this person. Or I lucked out. Or everything changed. Or I finally got over that. That finally got over it thing broke my heart. It broke my heart. Because since I started listening to personal development or self-development audiobooks, I always felt, then what's so specially wrong with me? Why hasn't that happened for me? Why hasn't that tectonic shift occurred in my life? Why am I still sad? Why has it worked for other people I know? 
And I felt they were always missing a key component, which was what were these people like before they were them? And that was what motivated me a long time ago, or, you know, I don't know about motivated me, but gave me the idea to write a book about my struggle before the success, which was always easy because I was struggling. My success was just something I believed to be an eventuality. But I thought, why don't these people write the books before they're famous? But here's the thing about that. No one wants to read a book about Joe Schmedlap, who uh, did nothing and uh, is a janitor at a high school in Fontana. But maybe we should hear his book. Maybe we should hear about his hopes and dreams, his daily struggles. Maybe we should hear that every day when he gets out of bed early, when it's cold, when he goes over to his car that he doesn't know will start, that when he comes home, he's able to put food on the table or help his kid get to school and he's praying and and believes that his son will have a better life than he will. Maybe we need to hear that story because maybe there's more heroism in that than we look at in what we're reading. That was a clunky sentence, but I think you know what I mean. That person is completely fictitious, by the way, that I just made up that person in my head. But being me, I'm thinking, what if that guy's listening to it right now? I don't even remember his name, but it was something in Schmedlap. If he's listening, I just blew his mind. Can you imagine? That's right, Mr. Schmedlap. I'm talking about you. I just wanted to hear about a guy who woke up every day sad. (laughs) I didn't really want to hear that, but I wanted to hear about a person who it didn't all in one day change. Does that sound real to you guys? Does it sound real to you that one day everything was trash in these people's lives? You know, these rags to riches American dream stories. Does that sound real? It doesn't to me. If I went from rags to more expensive rags to riches, I guess I don't need rags anymore in this situation, I'd still be me. I know enough because I've had enough of a variance in my life at multiple times where I've been successful and unsuccessful. And right now I'm successful, but I also have these feelings. I'm successful based on my equation for that. And for those of you longtime listeners, you understand what that means. But even though I'm successful, I'm not not Jet Dunlap. That's a double negative. And I'm double negative in my attitude. No, I'm not. I'm trying to be positive. I want you to know that even on your journey, I'm not going to say the person who really motivated this, but I get a long email from, let's say, a childhood friend. And what she said really resonated with me. And it kind of motivated me to talk about this. But this person, too, had seen a lot of motivational speakers. And uh, it made me think that what I wanted to hear in life was, It hasn't been easy for me from someone. It hasn't been easy for me. I'm not a millionaire. I'm still on my way. I still have hope. But it's tough. And some days, some weeks are really, really tough. But I wake up in the morning and I do what I have to because this is a challenge. And you can find joy in the challenge. And you can find moments of laughter and brevity in the difficulty. And I I think that that's what I wanted to hear. And you guys are going to hear in my journey, in real time, where I go. And I have no doubt in my mind that the success that I've always dreamed of is coming. But the best part about this show is that you'll be able to go to episode 20 or 5 or whatever it is. And here I was, or, or this one, right? And that goes to my next subject, which is for those of you who've been listening for a long time, or those of you who've been listening for a short amount of time, and listen to episode 64... 64 was about my audition, I believe. Now, guys, remember, I'm not very good on these numbers uh, at Universal. And my good friend, Chris, who I mention often, 
said that that episode made him sad. And I can understand why. Let me give you a refresher if you haven't heard this episode. Out of the blue, I got reached out to by a casting office and they said they wanted me to audition for this show, Superstore. A show Gina and I actually watch and like. I didn't know why. I'm not really pursuing acting right now. And I went down there and I mentioned in that episode that when I was a kid, I went to Universal Studios and I was on the tram ride. And I remember looking back there, even when I was, I think I was in third grade. And I said, one day I'll work here. And it was kind of a trip for me because the tram saw me that day when I was auditioning. This is, I feel like a month ago or something, maybe even more. And I thought there is a kid out there looking at me right now on the tram because this happened. And maybe they're seeing the same thing that I did. And I felt a little sad at the time when I did the episode because not only was I positive I didn't get the role, but I thought this is not what I thought this business would be when I was young. Big whoop, right? I mean, most of the things that we see in life as a child are different as an adult. But I said that even though I didn't think I got the role, was positive I didn't get the role because I said the other guy made more sense for it. I didn't know why I was brought down there. I didn't know if there was a higher power or anything that brought me down there. It didn't make sense to me. I didn't ask. I didn't try and pursue this. And I definitely didn't want to be disappointed. I talk a lot on this show about how I discipline my disappointment, but I didn't want to have to do that. I say that hope is a dangerous thing, and I shouldn't. I don't mean it in a negative way. This is me airing my fears, right? Sometimes I think hope is a dangerous thing because, (laughs) I don't know. And, And this is something I'm changing, by the way. This, this hope is a dangerous thing. It is an insecurity that pops up occasionally. So don't think of it as a good thing. But I was afraid of being hopeful because I've had a lot of auditions or opportunities that I really thought would go well and they didn't. And it was just another brick in that sadness, right? And because I deal with clinical depression, I have to discipline myself, like I said, in my disappointments. And, and sometimes hope is a, uh, you know, it's the top of a roller coaster. And then it goes downhill. But the part in the roller coaster is fun when it goes downhill. Bad analogy. Anyway, that happened in that episode. And it made my friend Chris sad. And I'm sure it's because he had the same feeling when he was a kid that he was destined to be in film and television. And he isn't currently. But if I had looked at it another way, I actually was there as an actor auditioning, which is something that if you had told me as a kid and just gave me that window, well, you know what? You'll be here one day and you'll be auditioning for a network television show. I probably would have been impressed. So it's all relative. However, I went past that and didn't think about it. Didn't think about it so much that I hadn't even thought about the show being on. I wouldn't know if I got the role until the show was on. So flash forward to myself and Gina and Steven. Steven, my brother, Gina, my wife, were rock climbing. And I get this text from a guy who used to work for me at AT AT&T, which has been many years ago. And he said, is this Jet Dunlap? And so I texted my friend, Rich, who we are mutual friends with this person. And I said, do you know why this person's texting me? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit me up. But he didn't respond. Why? So I responded to this person who used to work for me. And uh, I said, yeah, this is Jet. I said something silly, like this is the one the villagers call Jet. (laughs) I I have a love for the theatrics. And, uh, and he said, dude, it was so amazing seeing you on TV last night. Hold for applause. Are you applauding? And then moments later, I got a text from my aunt to my mom and myself. It was a three-way text. 
group text, and she uh, said, My life was completed last night by seeing my nephew on Superstore. I'm the nephew. Did you did you understand that? And I was the one who was on Superstore. So holding for applause again, I got the role. I was on TV. You know, you think that in those moments, <laughs> the music will come up, the montage will start, the clouds part, and everything else that rhymes. No, you think that that's going to be incredible. Wow, I'm on TV, a network television show. I hadn't seen it at this point, but I knew it was on. And I don't want you guys to go looking for it. So just, you know, I mean, no, I don't want anyone to look for it because, you know, I'm embarrassed about that. Just in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into it. Weird idiosyncrasies. Eccentricities I have many of. Uh, <clears throat> many eccentricities I have. That was uh, Yoda. Uh, not the baby one. I like my Yoda's old. That was Mandalorian joke. I'm sorry. No more of that. You would expect it to be something big, but it was kind of just a satisfaction. I was surprised, which was great. Not, you wouldn't see it on my face, but I was surprised because I was sure I wasn't going to get it. I was so sure I wasn't going to get that role that I did an entire episode, episode 64, devoted to saying that I wasn't going to get that role. The most impressive thing to me about this whole situation was how wrong I was. And that really made me happy. Do you know why? Longtime listeners do. My instincts are usually right when it comes to disappointment. (laughs) So if nothing else, when I'm disappointed, at least I feel correct. When you're in school, when you were in school, you specifically, I'm talking to you, you would take a test. And I know you because I sat next to all you. And some of you, I'm sorry to say, I cheated off of uh, with my little Scantron trick where I'd look to the right or the left. Not really a trick. That's just how people do it. Or I didn't cheat. I don't know. Does that take away my high school diploma? For the purposes of this story, let's just say that is hearsay and conjecture. You would think that you had a bad grade. Gina's probably this way. Gina was almost definitely like this when she was in school because she's a nerd or she gets good grades. Uh, Always did. You will think you have a bad grade on the test. And this always drove me crazy in school. And then I'd sit next to you when you got your test and you're like, oh, an A. I'm like, you knew you were getting an A, you jerk. And you dummies right now like me are like, yeah, those guys are jerks. The people are like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do well either. And I'm like, no, I know I didn't do well. And then I'd get my test back. And old, was it Joe Schmedlap who's sitting next to me again? The guy who was also the janitor in the story earlier? That's a callback, by the way. Joe Schmedlap gets his, why did he do better than me in school in this respect? And now he's a janitor. Well, I'm not making janitor money. And he gets a great grade. And I got a terrible grade. He said he wasn't going to do well in the test. I said I wasn't going to do well in the test, but I was right. So in the test of who was right about how poorly they did on the test, I got an A and he got an F. But in real life, he got an A on the test and I got an F on the test. So when I went out for this audition, I was so sure I was right because I'm usually right about these things. And that's not a skill that you want to have because it makes it hard to be optimistic. I'm very good at being practical in my thinking and pragmatic. The hope, the uh, pie-in-the-sky dream, not really me. But I was wrong, guys. I was dead wrong. I was on the show, which means that all my instincts I had that day were incorrect. I also didn't think about the factor of the fact that the editor would decide. I guess I did a little bit when I was driving home, but I didn't let it affect my story when I was telling you guys in episode 64 that I wasn't going to get it. But I got it. And knowing that I was wrong felt so good because that meant maybe I should be more hopeful. Because sometimes I'm not right about this stuff. And that may seem counterintuitive, but it has given me more hope. 
And it's made me feel more positive knowing that that kind of stuff can happen. So if you're a pessimist in your neutral position, what I mean by that is you really try not to be. So not being pessimistic is difficult. And I have plenty of episodes on that. But those of you who are there in a neutral position, let my example, the fact that I was wrong, inspire you. Those of you out there who have that same difficulty and are usually right in the sense that, oh, well, I knew that was going to happen. You're not always going to be right. I never try and be pessimistic. I really try and be optimistic. I work very hard. Meditation, yoga, exercise, books I read. So it's not like it's, I'm just taking this passively. You know that. But I was wrong and that was awesome. I may have spent too much time on that. Maybe you get it. Sometimes I feel like it needs over explaining or explaining. So how do we start this episode? Katara, the ape, in my dream, that's telling me to talk. I talked to you about my my complete and utter surprise at how much this show's been touching people. <laughs> I'm such a juvenile. I, I, I thought of this show physically touching people, and I thought, that is so dirty. This is what I get when I try and be sincere. Like, this show's walking around being a pervo. That's not possible. It's an audio show. How would it do that? I don't know. It's not sentient. But I mean it, you know, if I, if I could try and be sincere for a second. I'm really overwhelmed with the resonance this has with people. And I'll keep going forever, if you let me. And even when my lot in life changes, you'll hear that. And I'll never be where I am now if I move on. And that's great because life is ever evolving. But you got to hear me when I was at my lowest. And that's not now. But you got to hear me right after my grandfather died, right after my friend died, after my birthday. You got to hear me on my most vulnerable moments. And I was as raw as I possibly could with you. And now you get to continue on my journey when things like being in that television show I was sure I wouldn't be in happened. And there's much more to come. So thank you for sticking around with the journey. And thank you so much for being honest with me about how you feel about the show. And that's pretty much it. I think that anything else I'd say would be what I don't want to say. <laughs> so I'm out of words, guys. I mean, you've already figured that out because I'm running into a wall uh, of a lack of words. So I'm out of words as I end this show every time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you even more to those of you who've reached out to me. It is rewarding in a way I never knew I could feel. So thank you. I am Jet Dunlap. This was episode 68 of Psychotherapy. Thank you again. Does that seem too much? Uh, well, thank you. And here's my music. Talk to you next time.